capture them. And, you know, I think from a general contractor perspective, the buildings don't get built without the trades. Mm -hmm. And from the trades perspective, they don't have any work if the generals don't have any work. An astounding 80% of construction firms have reported a hard time filling hourly craft positions, according to an Autodesk and AGC uh, survey. To compound the problem, 45% say that local pipeline for preparing well-trained and skilled workers is poor. On the surface, this doesn't seem to give much hope to the over 400,000 unfilled construction positions. So how can the construction industry build their way out of this hole? Is technology revolution a savior or a mirage? Welcome to the Bridge in the Gap podcast. I'm your host, Todd Wyant. This is the show where we empower you to transform industries by championing innovation. You're invited to join my mission to embrace and share the innovations transforming the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing industry. If you like our show, you want to know more, check out our new website, bridgingthegappod.com. And please share with your friends and coworkers while leaving us a five-star reviews on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we are recording from Autodesk University here in Las Vegas. I'm excited to welcome for the first time, Jeff Sample. Welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I, yeah, I really absolutely. appreciate you guys bringing me on. So it's great that we could do this at AU. So it yeah. feels like podcasting at AU is something you just got to do. That's right. You just got to get into the mode and have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I wonder if you can start by kind of telling us your, your background, how you got into this. How'd you get the, the nickname Iron Man of IT? All that stuff. <laughs> All that stuff, right? Um, I actually fell into this. Um, I came from outside the industry. So I have an external industry background. Okay. Um, I'm an IT guy by trade, right? Um, and years and years and years ago, I found that, you know, I work to live, I don't live to work. And so the whole Iron Man thing is not the Tony Stark Iron Man, <laughs> it's more the race Iron Man. So okay, nice. if you guys know the long distance triathlon thing, that's, uh, that's been my thing. It's been one of my passions. And I think um, following your passion in life is is really important sure and um, for me when I finally found my way into construction so I did a little bit of time in the ski resort business a little bit of time in the software business I got to support a lot of different clients where I came from in electronic medical records and healthcare and real estate and rental and you know uh, food and beverage so wow. I got this like really cool world view uh, and then I joined a, um, a, con a construction company about six years ago now, a small masonry subcontractor in Vail, mm -hmm. Colorado called Gallegos Masonry. And it was then that I fell in love with, you know, not only what we're here to talk about, the skilled trades themselves, but then saw exactly what we we're going to talk about. And that was this digital revolution at the time yeah. you know we like to say you know the the revolution will be televised right now <laughs> it, it it will yeah sure. um and i saw that opportunity and and from that i got the opportunity to join jb knowledge with james benham um i had the time to then jump on uh and become a member of the contact crew so i am a podcaster at heart i had no idea i love this medium yeah. i'm a listener always was got to this side and well man i dig it it's a fun thing to unpack. Right? It, it really is. All these conversations with cool, interesting people. Well, and the, yeah, so that was the thing is like, I realized like at first, um, like a lot of people, like, so I think this is kind of important to the conversation that you started. Um, I thought this was like tough people trade that, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, they work hard and they, they, you know, I had this view, like this manly, macho, external, tough view of this, this industry. And when I got into it, I realized these are builders. These are people, these are crafts workers. 
right? They pour their blood, sweat, and tears into building the world around us. And they feel very differently when they walk through um, an environment because they had a hand in, in shaping what it looks like. No yeah. matter if they're a mason, um, a carpenter, a finisher, a, you know, a, a MEP of some sort, mechanical, electrical, a plumber, you know, they all have this, this it's, it's a craft, um, you know, and, and from that, I fell in love with it, you yeah. know, and just being a part of the technology piece, I felt like I was building buildings and I thought, wow, this really helps me. But then, um, the technology is really coming along where, you know, we can, it can transform us. Sure. But our first move into it, that was tough. Yeah. That's why we called it the digital revolution. Yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of things, yeah, being just turning it on its head and and really not doing what they were supposed to do for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's why I think now is a cool time. I think it's a great time for us to have this conversation. So first and foremost, no, I don't think technology is the only answer Uh to our problem. Gotcha. Um, There's no silver bullet. Um, I like to tell this one on stage. Um, If there was, um, we'd be doing this over Skype. And I'd be on my yacht. There you I'd go. Wait for the money to clear. I, you I, have people be doing it if yeah, you're on the yacht. Yeah, yeah. And I just go, okay, here's the answer. The money's yeah. in the bank. Okay, here's the answer. Um, I think there's a multi-pronged approach, mm-hmm. and um, I really I have to thank Autodesk for what they're doing this week, because as I've come to this over the last three or four years, I've watched it evolve. I've watched their focus on construction evolve. I've watched that evolve from the general contractor to really including that uh, that trade contractor. Yeah. Um, and now this year in particular, they're bringing in a cultural element, mm. right? So to solve this problem, we have to, to look at it from many angles. Yeah. The first one being culture. Interesting. Of what, kind of unpack that for me. What kind of aspect of the culture do you think is the, the big issue there to, to solve? The same reason I didn't I didn't think I'd want to be in this business. Mm-hmm. And that was this rough and tumble, um, you know, machismo world of people who don't collaborate, don't work together, and they yell at each other, and it's dirty, and it's tough, and there's not a lot of money in it. And that's all wrong. Yeah. You know, that culture is all wrong, but it's our fault that we haven't changed that because we haven't focused on changing it. Right. Um, I heard this yesterday. It's really interesting. I was watching a panel um, that was talking about the diversity and they were talking about the, the trades and how we still, when a, when someone comes in for a job, we still, I don't know if you're going to be good enough for this, you know, prove it to me. Yeah. When, as soon as we cross our arms, we're putting people off, we're right. turning them away. Um, you know, I, the countless stories of people that come to me that say, you know, I was turned away from the industry. I didn't feel like, I felt like it was their industry, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I, we have to change that. We have to celebrate the things that are us, the mm-hmm. things that we find out when we get inside. And that's, you know, um, that you do build the world around you and that you you have a role in changing our society um if you're in vertical construction you can be in housing you can be in the design and using more environmental materials you can help you know reduce carbon footprint you know we're in the building industry we're we're part of that problem and we can solve it with new ideas and you can be a part of it and that's marketing mm-hmm. we don't market ourselves 
Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP, MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit evolvemep.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, so I see a big societal problem. I read somewhere that it was like 61% of people view it as kind of a dirty job and that it's just a job, not a career. How do we go about in the, the marketing aspect of that to go to the industry and say, hey, this is actually a pretty cool industry to work in. Well, so that's where I think we, we actually the past been laid for us. We just mm-hmm. have not capitalized on it. And, um, and I think this speaks to our silos and some of the problems that we have and some of the ways that our, our industry is fragmented in and of itself. Um, I look at the armed forces. They came together and really started pushing the armed forces and marketing it and, and this massive campaign and they showed a lot of a little bit of the nitty gritty, but they did it in a really Hollywood way to make it look cool. Like you yeah. see people on their stomachs in the in the rain and the mud, and they're going under, but it's done in this like really cool fashion. And then right. immediately they click to get your college education. You know, um, how many people who are who have served in the armed forces then move on to these careers and these mm-hmm. other fields. Mm-hmm. And we're the same thing. You you come in as an apprentice and no matter what trade it is you're learning, that's where you start. But there is this vast movement of a career in front of you, whether you start in, um, you know, as an electrical and you're an apprentice and you move up and then you're a foreman and then you're a superintendent and then you move on into the project management world. And even because of, you know, the technology tools that we're teaching them along the way with Revit and others, Mm -hmm. you may move into design you know, along the way and prefabrication and, you know, all these, this change. Um, But what we have to do is we can't look at it as electricals. We can't look at it as plumbers. We can't look at it as mechanicals. We have to look at it as one giant industry that needs to fill the funnel. Mm. And we need to all stop caring about necessarily which trade they're going to fall into Mm. and just create the net that brings them all in, that attracts them. And then, you know, I think we uh, we have to invest, right? Um, I was talking to uh, Mike Zivanovich from uh, Local 597 in Chicago um, about their program. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're turning students away. Uh, I had oh, the wow. same conversation offline with Stefan Schnell because, you know, I didn't want to seem like the Twitter troll that was like, hey, Stefan, why are we... Um, turning people away when yeah. we have a skills trades gap and we have this trouble. And he said, Jeff, that's all my facility can handle. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Let's turn around and invest in those facilities. Right. And and then we've got a chance to not turn them away. The, the opportunity, the cost, opportunity cost is there. Like we're just letting it go. Yeah. Capture them. And, you know, I think from a general contractor perspective, the buildings don't get built without the trades. Mm-hmm. And from the trades perspective, they don't have any work if the generals don't have any work. So let's come together and, you know, reinvest. And, you know, I think the ABC does a good job of this, too. So, you know, I've I've always said I'm a big fan of everybody 
an arms race. So if I create an arms race in skilled training and marketing to the masses to change this industry's view, then I win. I mean, I'm happy to have that arms race because the union and the non-union, the skilled trades are bringing up this world and they are a real path. But we can't forget, you know, um, I think it's interesting because, you know, um, the Construction Users Roundtable, which is an owner's mm -hmm. group, um, they were really pivotal in changing um, safety on our job sites. They put their foots down, feet down and said, no, you cannot bid on this project. There's something called EMR in the industry um, and it's basically your safety rating. And if okay. you have an X safety rating, you cannot work on our jobs. Mm -hmm. Instantly that drove contractors across the board to drive down their EMR to actually adopt um, a safety culture and not just rubber stamp it and still you know, kill people. Mm -hmm. That was what was happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're the ones, the owners are experiencing this and they've started something called OS 2.0, which is going to be an open source platform in which um, they can start to help us solve this problem mm -hmm. through a series of what looks like, you know, a KPI right now that they've released around their uh, workforce engagement. Um, I wish I could really remember the acronym. It's a weird one these days. But basically, it's about you won't be able to bid on jobs as going on in California right now unless you show that you actually have a workforce development program that has reached a certain attestation level. Right now, it's sort of a self-attestation. It's pretty loose. Mm. But knowing them, it will really eventually become backed by metrics. Backed by, backed by successes and failures, and there'll be a number that eventually comes out. You won't be able to uh, bid on certain projects unless you have that. And I think that's a good thing from their perspective. Um, I would rather see us in the trades get ahead of it yeah. and really do it ourselves. Mm. Because then it's more on our terms. Right. right? You're self-governing yourself then. Yeah. You can kind of map it out. Yeah. the best for you guys. Yeah, there's a, there's a Schneider Electric's uh, CEO has this... Um, quote about the there's two types of pivots uh -huh. the pivots you initiate which are really good for your company and feel right. good and then the, the pivot that's initiated upon you that's right. thrust upon you <laughs> the forced one yeah the forced <laughs> one and that feels far worse i mean i didn't sure. get that quote exactly right but that that was the gist of it and and i think you know we can see the owners coming if we don't do something about it well it's going to be done to us and right. rightfully so i mean they're the ones who are who are seeing these figures um, i think it's 15.8 billion dollars a year is uh lost on it lack of interoperability of our tools in oh, this wow. industry yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it's amazing so i think if those general contractors really look back and the industry looks back and we 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 go back to the skilled trades but on the flip side kurt for anybody who might pick this up and is listening this is this is what my ask to you is is we have to look at our guidance counselors right in high school mm -hmm. you know guidance counselors are actually one of their performance metrics is how many kids from their school go to college right sure why aren't the trades involved in that why the, the, it's inherently we're we are against their kpis we can't go and change their behavior you know uh nathan wood likes this one uh tell me how i'm measured and i'll tell you how i behave right well if i'm measured by how many kids go to college what am i going to do right well i think it goes back to the societal issue there of construction being kind of the, the dirty job right and people not wanting to go and there's so much push on college yes it kind of hits on the, the generational divide I, I think one of the stats that andrew 
uh, throughout his keynote today uh, was, you know, half the people in the construction industry are over 45. Over 45. That's crazy. Uh, so as, as a millennial myself, I, I see one of the kind of the, the issues in construction is that it's viewed as they're, they're not really up on technology and yep. that there's, there's not as cool of kind of toys and things to play with. But that's not really the case. Oh, no. uh, so what do you see as the, the bridge there to kind of overcome that gap? Well, I mean, we were talking about this before. Uh, it's my personal opinion that we are on the verge of the of the fourth industrial revolution, and there's no better place to see that um, than right here in construction. We are uh, on the front row, and we are moving them into it. It's going to happen right here. It will be televised, and it will be on a construction job site. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about autonomous vehicles and the difficulty in moving them throughout space that we see in the world, think about the complexity and the changing nature of a job site. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're starting to see uh, autonomous vehicles and other robotics start to move around and start to augment what we're doing. Yeah. You know, so you'll be visualizing what you do in the field through these high-tech pieces, virtual reality, you know, Unity's here, you know, Andrew talked about it. Um, they showed it. It was utilized in the building of the Disney World. Um, and the, the platforms of building in 3D open this up to be more of a gamification experience to realize that there's a lot of computer generation that's going to go on to augment that and, and to really make that more possible. Plus, we're also seeing robotics come along to take some of the load off, right, mm -hmm. and make this a... A longer career. If we if we want to go on forever, we can't we can't keep doing it the way we used to do it. You know the right. Einstein quote: sure. doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right. And uh, I, and I think construction is going to drive a lot of that. We've seen a lot of innovation come out of what we do. Um, a lot of it because we have to. It's mm -hmm. the necessity of the job itself. Right. So innovate or die. <laughs> yeah, innovate or die trying. Right. And that's 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 what we want. And I, um, you know, I really think if we can market ourselves to that, then you know we can really have an effect mm. um, and show that. But then again, on the adoption side of things, um, organizations really have to lean in. Mm -hmm. You know, we're here. Uh, I challenge if anybody thinks that that this industry is purely um, what you were talking about—the dirty jobs. Well, take that. Go ahead and search it and find Mike Rupp. You know, Mike Rose out there putting a lot behind not just the skilled trades of what we do, but mm -hmm. all sorts of these jobs that are, you know, formerly considered, um, I don't know, less than professional for some reason. But yeah, right. I mean, on dirty jobs, how many millionaires did he come across that were working real hands on jobs getting dirty? Sure. That's where it came from. And, you know, Micro has a foundation that, you know, they're investing in creating scholarships, which I think is really important. I think what he's out there doing is really important. I think what we're doing, you know, is important in having the conversation. I also think we have to look at, you know, from the uh, inclusion perspective and the cultural perspective, you know, only 3% of uh, the people on uh, tools in the field are women. Mm -hmm. Um, I, interesting. I, I, I'll be updating that fact. I was giving it to in my speech yesterday. Uh, yeah. Lauren gave me some new updates to that. So we are making a difference. Nice. But I mean, it's little things, man. When you join a, a company as a female, the PPE doesn't fit. Right. It wasn't designed for a woman. So when I say we have to start to change and start to recognize, I'm not saying we have to um, do anything drastic. 
it's it's just opening up. And in fact, you know, some of the labor unions in Chicago right now, uh-huh. I just heard this yesterday, they are setting up paid leave for maternity, uh-huh. covering uh, and guaranteeing your job back and really focusing on this um, parental leave as a, hey, come join us. Yeah. And then when you want to start a family, we're open to that and there'll be a job for you to get back. I mean, nice. we talked about it before. It's not like the jobs are going to go away. Right. And uh, there's a lot of positions there to fill. <laughs> there's a lot of positions there to fill. It's not going to go away. So, um, and you talked about the baby, bo- uh, you know, the baby boomers that are aging out, that 45 year old that gets worse every year, unfortunately. Yeah. It just means we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not closing the gap. Um, they carry a lot of knowledge. Mm. And, um, I shout out to Chris Langiza uh, when he was on the Contact Crew podcast years ago. He told this story about uh, teaching a plumber how to do rivet, mm-hmm. and uh, sitting there with him and showing him the model. And eventually, the plumber kicked him out of the way. And said, "Boy, you don't know what you're doing," <laughs> and started modeling. Yeah, because he was like, "I can't reach up around that corner and get that pipe there. There's going to be no room for me to work, and so you don't know what you're doing." And right. so I think taking some of those folks out of our field and really retraining them into the tools that we have in the modern world Mm -hmm. to then take the information that's in their brains and spread it out one to many Mm -hmm. is part of the the solution, right? But if we continue to attack this um, as a stick build um, and we keep going at it, we're never going to catch up. Right. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) And and we're going to get slower and slower and slower. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also where um, the shift in the industry has to go to constructuring, we call it. It's construction Mm. manufacturing. Um, Mm. The first step into that is prefabrication, Mm. um, kitting, those kind of things. And we're really starting to see that take off, but um, it's not the end. The end is modularization, getting our people in the world to understand that just because it's modular does not mean that it looks like a box. Mm -hmm. They're two separate things. You can have a modular prefabricated design that's still unique. Yeah. You know, it's like you go to you go to a car dealer and you buy a car, but you can specialize that car so it feels like Todd's car, right? Sure. You can put I like the, like in red, I want my interior like this. You're speaking my language. I want the, the nav system, right? I want the black <laughs> racing stripe. Right? And you get to pick it all. And so when that car shows up, Todd's like, yeah, that's my ride. Yeah, well, let me tell you, basically, it's only like 10% different than everybody else. Right. But, but it's personalized to you, so it feels different. Exactly. It feels great. And that's the difference we mm-hmm. need. We need people to feel like that about modularization mm-hmm. because then they'll really get it. And that'll start to change our world. And, you know, um, part of that is taking those skilled trades workers, like I was talking about with uh, like Mike Savanovich and those guys that are investing, um, and tapping into their knowledge yeah. and bringing them to whether they be a union trade contractor or a non-union trade contractor, we bring these people who understand constructability mm-hmm. and we bring them to the table with the owners, with the architects, with the engineers. And we not only have a, contra- a contract that brings us together, but we have something that culturally brings us together. Uh, mm-hmm. DJ Phipps is known for this quote, uh, communication is contractual, collaboration is cultural. Mm-hmm. We That's need great. to collaborate. Um, and what that means is it's a two-way street. It's going to be painful both ways. Owners, this is for you. Um, 
if we create this transparent world where we can get to the table earlier and we can speed up the process of delivering through prefabrication and modularization and offsite construction, then it has to be agreed upon earlier. And the owners, when they decide to make a change, they need to be comfortable with the transparency all the way down to how it will affect the trade worker and the suppliers that were at the table originally, mm -hmm. so that we all kind of have this understanding of the impact. And, and, and then we can really push it forward. And also, you know, getting those major trades together in this multi-trade situation where you're really organizing everybody together and they're prefabricating on their own requires a lot of things you know um, steel can't really figure out what it's going to do until HVAC figures out where they're going to put their HVAC unit because then we know it has to be reinforced there so right. there's these this concert that has to go on and and ultimately the skilled trade worker is the um, is really the one who knows how to do it mm -hmm. um, from a construction perspective. Uh, but those GCs, they're, they're the orchestrators. They make sure all of these different people work together and all these things come together and the difficulties happen so that we can, we can really do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that OS 2.0, they talk about uh, shared pain, shared gains, right? Uh, actually, they call it shared risk, shared reward. I call it Sounds shared, better. shared pains, <laughs> shared gains. Um, because look, in a building, only 20% of the cost of a building is in construction. 80% of it is in owning that building. Wow. So if we can build smarter, better buildings and we can implement techniques through BIM and digitization and IoT and big data around understanding how the life cycle of that building will work. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? If you do it correctly and you model correctly and you use reality capture, you can understand what's on the other side of those walls before you go to make changes down the road and make those, those changes faster, easier, and uh, more cost effective. You can, in, uh, you can put in certain tools like, uh, you know, I want to say power over ethernet lights, smart lighting, smart units to lower the cost overall to own the building. Mm -hmm. So owners need to understand that somewhere up front, that's going to cost, mm -hmm. but that they're really going to reap that reward down the road. Um, but we have to deliver on that. Um, so you see how everybody has a piece and, and it, it really takes this, this cultural shift yeah. for all of us to come to the table and say, okay, we're going to do this. Right. Um, but I like what, I like what the owners are doing and saying, Hey, we're here because that has been a way, um, to start to kickstart the change. The bridging the gap podcast is brought to you by applied software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Mm -hmm. So does, in, in your mind, does the industrialized construction, does it start to look a lot more like additive manufacturing? Oh yeah, um, I mean, additive manufacturing or 3D printing, whatever you wanna call it, um, I think will really fundamentally change some of the things we saw today on stage. Um, build change, by the way, 
super awesome company. Um, plug for them. If you didn't look, if you haven't seen them, go take a look. It's Build really Change, powerful. right? Yeah. Um, coincidentally, I've, I've had the opportunity of interviewing them before. I interviewed them here oh, at nice. Autodesk two years ago. Um, I was really inspired by what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, the cultural understanding that they have of not only um, involving the end user, the customer, mm -hmm. in the rebuilding of, of their homes, but also in training them in the skills to then do it, right? That's the one to many. They're, they're yeah. creating warriors for themselves to go out and, and really change the world. If you guys don't know what Build Change is, what Build Change does is they go into, uh, I would say the lower, um, they go into third world countries where um, they're ready for disaster. I think, I think her statements like there's like three billion people that live in subpar housing that with a single disaster could kill any of them right I mean, so what a was third it? of the population or something she was saying yeah a third of it's the population of the world <laughs> yeah there was an incident she was talking about where uh 20, people died and i believe it was in india when an earthquake hit and mm -hmm. they fell in because they're using substandard um building structures because they had to do what they had to do so what build change does is they go back in and they use some real modern technology to look at the building itself see if they can help retrofit it if they can help retrofit it great but a couple years ago when they told that story it was their first aha moment they had built buildings and no one was sleeping in them mm -hmm. because they hadn't understood culturally that they built a building that you can live in but it doesn't fit the culture right, right. in the culture they were talking about the bottom floor was for the livestock the middle floor was for the family and the top floor was where they kept storage of dry goods and that sort of created this that's how they lived mm -hmm. but that's not what we were rebuilding so nobody liked it right so they switched and started showing them how to kit and build better um, they've used generative design to really look at um, can they fix the structure so um, and I think their next progression whether they know it or not is additive manufacturing is the ability to 3d print small footprint homes that match you know, they can create the design, push it into the machine, and the machine can do it. Um, we just covered this recently. There's a there's a team in Texas right now. Um, I believe, I don't know the name of the company. It's It's gone from me. It's an Austin-based company. They, they launched their first one at South by Southwest last year, the Vulcan 1. They're now on the Vulcan 2. Uh -huh. They will be printing these beautifully 3D printed homes. When, when, you, when we talk 3D printing, people... They're a lot, it's a lot more interesting and additive manufacturing is a better way to put it. Um, and yeah, I think that will be what we look like. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's shift on to ESUB a little bit. How ah. does ESUB bring power to the trades? Ah, power to the trades. Well, you heard ILD, mm -hmm. uh, Integrated Labor Delivery. That was that culture portion that we believe comes alongside of IPD. That was the brainchild a couple of years ago of our CEO, Wendy Rogers, mm -hmm. um, on helping the trades take their place at the table to really help the process out and to become a valued portion of it. Um, for me, ESUB's about um, you know really helping the trade contractor stop getting marred down in the paperwork mm. um you know at the beginning i said i work to live i don't live to work mm. I, I think a lot of what we've done in construction has you know pushed 
things from the back office out into the field and we've created the situation and a lot of our, our field superintendents and our foremen are working a long day. They're going home, they're doing whatever they've got to do with their families. Then they're getting their laptops out and they're trying to capture all that information, try to fill everything out, going to bed late, getting up early and starting this thing over and over. And that's just insane. Mm -hmm. and so for us at ESUB, we, uh, we pride ourselves on making that easier, making it fall in line with what you're doing and really provide that value rich information from the field all the way back uh, to the office and so that everybody gets what they need. You know, something we like to say at ESUB a lot of time is the right information for the right person at the right time. Nice. And that, and, and that really not only works for us, but it works for our, um, for our partners as well um, in how we come alongside and, and augment other processes. I think something you're seeing here is this BIM 360 idea um, this lake for all of us to play in and pass information and help, mm -hmm. man, that's, that's powerful. And we were talking beforehand. Um, I'm excited being here already. I have five or six different ideas that I've seen of partners that are joining the ecosystems yeah. and are starting to share and, I mean, we can really do some powerful things. Um, so, uh, you know, that's where ESUB really plays in. Um, you know, we have some, some integrations going here. We are a forge company, mm -hmm. so you know, got to be transparent. They've invested in us. Yeah. Um, that gave us a, a nice opportunity to look in and and figure out how we play in. Um, for me personally, um, I'm really looking at how you know uh, our product is a lean tool. Right? We talk about uh, lean in construction and lean in manufacturing, and mm -hmm. you know this lean adoption is is really really important, and it's about improving your process one step at a time and taking a few steps every day, you know, mm -hmm. saving a few seconds here and there, you know, in the end really adds up. And then I think a tool like ours can do that for you. You know, I think a lot of tools out there can do that for you. But when it's real powerful is when all the tools can talk together and can provide true information. Yeah. You know, to drive decisions. And, you know, that's why I like what Autodesk is doing with BIM 360 and putting it on top of uh, Project IQ. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the thing I challenge Project IQ with is, well, if we don't get all the information, then the data we have isn't worth it. So it's where I try to convince as many partners as I can to, hey, bring your information in there. Right. Because if we tell the whole story, if we get all the information, right. then we can get all the insights. Yeah, and then rising tides lift all ships there. Yes, it does. Kind of just unpack the efficiency uh, the impact on efficiency of having that single source of truth that people can wake up every morning with the same information, the same data, the same reports, it's going out to everybody. So this is where we're going to go divergent. You never know what you're going to get from here. <laughs> so single source of truth is one of those ones that I like to, I like to play around with a little bit because I don't actually believe that there is a single source of truth mm. because well, your truth is your reality. Your reality is based on your perspective. We yeah. all have a different perspective. So we all have a different reality. But the common data environment or the ability to share and have all of the information and the accurate information so that you can make an informed decision that is based on your perspective, but uh -huh. based on all of the data, 
then we've really done what I think we're trying to achieve by that single source of truth is, is we're trying to really gather all the information. Something that, um, you know, I learned across this process was I'm a feelings guy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like how I feel. And I'd yeah. sit in construction meetings and I'd hear them say, well, I feel like we're doing well with this group. And I feel like we win projects and the projects go well with this group. And then you'd look at the data and the data would be completely opposite. It'd be right. like, I hate working with these guys. They're so difficult, but we'd be really profitable with them. And the ones I like, we would be doing horrible with. Right. So it's facts, not feelings. People like me that are feelings driven. We need facts to actually base our decisions on. Yeah. And that's where you're right. Those reports, that information, the progress, all of that going out and being provided to everybody in a, in a, uh, a digestible from their perspective way, you know, right information, right person, right time. And it's funny, I've heard a couple other companies using that same kind of analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what's important, right? It's driving the truth. And we have to share that information. Uh, something the industry has been um, really holding back against is transparency. Mm. And I will tell you, you know, from an agile software development perspective, everybody thinks agile fixes software. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. <laughs> it shows you where you suck. And it makes, little secret there. <laughs> yeah, it makes it really apparent. So yeah. apparent that you have to deal with it. Mm. So in this process, we need very forward thinking, brave contractors on all sides to tear back and go truly transparent, go through the pain and then show the rest of the world what it's like when you get to the other side by crushing the competition with building buildings faster than we ever thought possible at lower prices than we ever thought possible and on schedule, which we just don't do right now. Right. So, Nice. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for Todd joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. There's Thank you. 100 more questions that we could ask and dive into. So I'd love to have you back hey, one day. I saw that post recently. I see you got a new facility. So we're we're here with this behind us, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll join in that seat. That's uh, right. I'd come anytime. back. Any, I'd come back anytime. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys to those tuning in. If you would like to know more about the skilled labor shortage or uh, anything that we talked about today, you can visit ASDI.com or ESUB.com. And please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find more information at bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant. Thank you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Please spread the word by giving us a five-star review and share with your friends and coworkers. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our other applied software podcast, the AEC Disruptors. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is produced and directed by Alyssa Chartier, edited by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production, copyright Applied Software 2019.